Welcome to the Real Estate Reserve Podcast with your hosts, Jason Balin and Ian Horowitz. Hey, 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 how's everybody doing? What's up, man? <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? Good show ahead today. So today is Tuesday, May 5th. Happy Cinco de Mayo, first off. Probably one of the better times we can bring bring our buddy Bill Daly in. Um, you know, th this is the way, this is the new normal, I guess, to hang out and, and do the Cinco de Mayo thing. Um, so we've been timestamping, obviously, every one of our shows. If you're just tuning in for the first time, welcome. If uh, you are a regular, thank you for that as well. The reason we're time stamping, time stamping every show is things are changing drastically here in the current environment. And stuff we might have talked about yesterday might be different uh tomorrow so it's important that all of these are timestamps so the most up-to-date relevant stuff is going on so on today's show we've got bill daly from liberty title and escrow we're going to bring him up here and on in a second we got some interesting updates related to uh the paycheck protection program it's very very interesting now it seems like everyone who got their approvals and got their funding now the next concern is well how the heck can i uh, distribute all this money the right way in order for it to be forgivable. So we'll talk about that for a second. And I also want to dive in towards the end um, related to a few things that we that uh, I, we sent out in an email broadcast. If you're not on our email list, you wouldn't have seen this, but we'll talk about that as well related to uh, how to turn this lockdown into some opportunities. So all in all, everybody is still very optimistic and uh, but but cautious at the same time. And for anybody who's out there that's investing in real estate or in real estate right now, if, if, it, it's crazy. If you're out and about, you're, there's just so much real estate happening right now. So, yeah, anything to add to that, Ian, before I bring Bill in here? Nah, man. Life's crazy. Life's good. Doing our thing. Um, keeping it moving. Jamming. Uh, just, I feel like I feel out of control today because I got so much stuff on my desk right now. Um, with things that are just getting done, trying to get them done. Well, we got this downtime. And by the way, you feel, why do you feel so much, so much? You're, because you're like, like this. You're thinking yeah. like this. I like it. All right. Well, there we go. Anyway, I think we should bring in Bill Daly. I was just finishing up all the shares. We're here. Um, I'm excited to talk to Bill because I think it's time. And I know we brought it up over and over and over again that, uh, Real estate maybe is finally catching up to the year 2020. Uh, it sucks that it took this for it to catch up, but it's catching up. And uh, yeah. I think there's only one way to find out is talk to Bill. That, yeah, that's going to be a good trend. So what's up, Bill? How are you? What's up, guys? How are you? What's up, man? Good, good. We already got a comment that says Bill freaking daily, so that's a good sign. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> loves it. That's that. So when it when it says Facebook user, that just means they're on one of the uh, the Facebook groups and not through a Facebook page. But sure. Bill, give everybody a quick background about you and uh, what you're currently up to these days. Yeah, of course. Um, first off, thanks guys for having me on the show. Always good to see you both again. Um, and you know, happy to share our contribution to the uh, real estate world and. And you both as well. It's all your viewers. Um, so I am uh, Bill Daly. I'm a sales manager for Liberty Title here in the state of Maryland. Um, gosh, I don't know. Been doing this 16, 17 years, something like that. So seeing the ups, the downs, the sideways, uh, um, and enjoy the ride every day along the way. Uh, 
Nice, nice. nice. In, for, in for another ride here with the uh, changes from the well, coronavirus. And that, that's going to be my first question. I'm just going to jump right into it. What do you sure. see as being different between this pandemic shutdown craziness versus what you saw in 2008 uh, with your business and how you've had to adapt or what changes are you seeing? What, what's the difference you see between 2008 and currently since you, you did ride that other wave? Yeah, man, I think 2008 was just a complete downturn in the market. I think what you're seeing here is you still had plenty of buyers. You had plenty of people interested in buying. We just got, you know, a massive slowdown because, um, you know, with the virus and social distancing and, um, you know, just not being able to do the things that we were doing before. So it wasn't a market-driven slowdown. Um, uh, I, I mean, truth be told, we're still doing a ton of closings. Uh, the large majority being refinances. So that's still um, something that's really keeping us busy and you have low interest rates, but there isn't a lot of human interaction that you need with doing a refinance. It's all done over phone calls or e-signing and stuff like that. So right. I would say probably anywhere from 60, 70% of our business is refis right now. What a, so a two-part question. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's good that, transactions are still going and we all see this as, as well that people still want to buy people want to sell people want to rent people still want to be very uh involved in the real estate community and transactions are obviously happening and have continued to happen what are some things that you guys are doing right now to do a settlement um you know if people are, are, are scared um or you know you got to follow state and federal guidelines in order to do it properly what are ways that settlements are occurring that's a great question. Um, and some of that, to be honest, we're kind of leaving it up to the uh, consumer, whether it's a borrower or refinancing or, or, you know, buyer, seller, kind of what they're comfortable with. I mean, certainly if they're going to do closings in our office and um, we do have that at our, you know, various offices, you know, we're wearing the face masks and the gloves and wiping down and sanitizing the table and all that. Um, but in certain instances, you have people who have kids and they don't want to bring their kids into my office and I don't blame them. Uh, they're comfortable staying at home and don't want to be near any human being. Um, so I understand that as well. So really in the beginning, I, I'm, you know, introducing the options. So one of them is to come to one of our offices and schedule a time, sit in the conference room and, you know, clearly we're on the other end of the table um, conducting the closing. Um, and we tend to do a lot of that with our purchase transactions where um, you really, especially if they're first time homebuyers, you need to spend the time to explain the documents to them and, and make sure at the end of it that they're clear with what they're doing and getting into. And that's hard to do sometimes either on a Zoom call or through the window of a car. Um, but if they feel more comfortable doing it that way, then, you know, we have those options. So this um, week alone, I've done uh, a closing in the conference room table, as I mentioned, another one where a customer pulled into the front of our parking lot. I handed it to him through the window. Um, watched them sign and kind of explained it to them from a distance. Uh, um, I think the key is, you know, verifying your identification and then certainly making sure you're watching them sign it. So, um, you know, a, a bad play would be if you're just FedExing a package to somebody and saying, here, sign this and get it back to me. Yeah. And then that, and that kind of, and that kind of led me to part two related to ways to prevent fraud and, um, mm -hmm scrupulous, uh, bad things happening. I mean, real estate in general is known to have um, a lot of fraud, a lot of mistakes. Sure. You know, right now it's challenging. And one of the things that I'm going to 
jump in with after, you know, afterwards is uh, what are people doing right now inside their businesses to make sure things and check, you know, checks and balances as, you know, and, and it's not necessarily like someone's trying to be a bad guy and create and create fraud. Although, you know, there's an argument of, Hey, if you can't even get these files on record uh, very, very quickly, what happens if someone goes and tries to refi a house multiple, multiple times, it doesn't really know that there's multiple transactions. And, you know, that's happened in, you know, in the, in the meltdown in 2008. And it's not just fraud. It's also just missing things, missing signatures, um, whatever the case is, you know, what, what are, what are some like best practices to, to make sure that, because it doesn't just affect the title company and the title insurance, you know, again, title insurance, it's insurance, just like any other insurance. That doesn't necessarily mean that they were at fault or it's going to get paid out. You know, everybody thinks, oh, I got an insurance policy on this. It's fine. It doesn't always work like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're exactly right. It, it doesn't. Um, and we go to these seminars every year, uh, Chicago title seminars and such. And um, it, it's very disturbing to see the propensity for fraud and how it's increased um, dramatically over the last, you know, probably five years. Uh, um so you really do, you have to have those things put in place to make sure that you're, you know, as you said, following your best practices and, um, you know, paramount to that's looking at somebody's driver's license and, you know, making sure that the person signing is the person whose name is on those documents. Uh, so whether you do that at our conference room, we do it through the window of your car. I do it from, uh, you know, I did another one where we pulled up at the house, left it on the doorstep. They came out, picked it up. Uh, we FaceTimed uh, in the car and they held up their driver's license to the phone. So, um, you know, you, you find ways to conduct these closings in a manner that, you know, is still okay with the, the customer. And, you know, if somebody's, you know, immune system is compromised, something like that, I understand you don't want to come around me and um, I respect that. So we'll find another route that, that we can accomplish both our goals. I mean, uh, you know, Liberty Title, making sure we're conducting a legal closing and then also, you know, on the buyer or borrowers and making sure that, you know, they're presenting proof that they are who they say they are. Um, but I, I mean, as you mentioned, Jason, putting in, in place things to cut down on this fraud, I mean, um, you know, world has some bad people and, um, oh, yeah. you know, and those fraud is, does happen. Uh, so, um, you know, we, we just put the pieces in place for our team to make sure that, you know, they're doing things correctly. What do you, um, going forward, what, what do you see uh, out of all the measures that you've taken over the past few months? Which ones do you see sticking? Which ones do you see going? Um, you know, I hate to say it, but real estate is probably one of the last businesses where you still wet sign stuff. And that original document is the most important thing in the world. Um, with what's going on, do you see any of that stuff going by the wayside? Or is there anything that you think is going to stick maybe to change that long run? I think, again, great question. I, I think, um, I, I mean, as far as the e-signing and, and the trend towards all the real estate going in that direction, I think it's certainly this is sped up by the virus and, and changes. Um, for example, now, I mean, we've signed up with a company called Notarize and another one called Notary Cam, I think is the other one on that. We can conduct seller signings that way. I mean, now that the governor said that, um, you know, the, the counties will accept e-signatures on recordable documents. Um, we're okay with that. Where we seem to hit the brick wall sometimes is um, with the lenders still are not necessarily accepting 
e-closing documents. Um, so I think at the very least, this will certainly speed up, um, you know, how long, uh, um, you know, it takes for them to, to, you know, get signed up for this, pay the money and, and allow it. I think from, you know, what I've heard from my lender partners is that the challenge is they can originate these and maybe even e-sign that, but you still got to sell these things on a secondary market. And is that buyer going to accept an e-signature note? Um, so hmm. I think you got to filter through that process as well. Uh, once the secondary market starts accepting it, then I think we so we so that so that's so that's a big holdup right now is the secondary um, the mortgage backed securities um, market and these you know second secondary market and whoever beyond them. It's that that's where it is. Not the individuals like the Wells or the you know the the big banks are there still haven't wrapped their head around going for these signatures lender that didn't have it or, you know, said that we'll accept these signatures and their closing documents. Yeah. There's a I lot mean, of we'll... lenders that are trending in that direction. So some that we work with have kind of partially e-signed where they'll send it out to the customer in advance, have them e-sign it, but we're still having wet notes signed at settlement. Yeah. So a large uh... closing package is e-signed, but, um, you know, not all of it. Yeah. I say, I noticed when we did a refinance with one of the, uh, larger, um, <clears throat> companies that do the, uh, you know, the securitization on the backside, everything stemmed from the security side of things that, you know, we can't sell this, we can't do this, we, you know, we can't break this rule because that's what the big Wall Street lawyer says. And it's interesting that you brought that fact up um, and to see where that goes, because I guess they kind of hold the ball right now. And I was going to ask Jason, like, if you send something out, you know, if I was buying a deal and Bill was doing our closing, would you care in this current situation if I just if I e-sign something? Granted, we have a relationship, but you know, would you allow one of your borrowers to e-sign? Yeah, absolutely, and I'll tell you why. Because keep in mind that you know, when Bill and I have discussed this, and I've talked to this with other title companies, I'm not going to get a, a title uh, insurance exception on my policy related to this, and none of neither of these big banks. If there was, it was. Now, keep in mind when we talk about e-signatures, we're talking about a uh, an online notary that's literally, hey, let's like we're doing right now. Here's yeah. the buyer, here's the seller, here's the notary. I can watch you kind of scroll through the, the e-document and sign it. That's what we're talking about. As a private lender, we don't care. We're holding the paper. The risk, honestly, is on the title insurer, insurer mm -hmm. side. If they don't give us a title uh, except, exception, if there was risk on that, then uh, we, we probably wouldn't do it and nobody would do it. But, you know, from what I guess I was told and correct me if I'm wrong, as of two months ago, um, all the big title insurers came together and said, yeah, we're, we're comfortable with this. And, you know, I think as a mo as a notary, because we looked into, into figuring out additional ways that we could get in, because we have two notaries in our office and we have to notarize things every day. We've got to notarize satisfactions, releases, um, there's a lot of documents that we have to internally notarize. They're not as time sensitive, obviously, as a closing package, but we wanted to figure out ways that we could do it as well it, without having to, you know, someone come into the office and, and physically do it. Um, and there's good softwares out there that have it. And yes, so to answer your question, yes, Ian, as long as the, you know, there's no title exception uh, on the policy and it doesn't look like there, there are, there will be, it's fine. And, you know, in general, related to this topic, you know, real estate, not investing, just real estate as a whole has some awful like dinosaur like uh, processes that are in place. 
especially with original signatures. I mean, think yeah. about think about any big real estate agent who's been out there for years. Chances are they still have every one of their darn packages that they've had for years. So we have 3,000 closed loan files between our office and our storage bins. It's absolutely awful, right? It's everywhere. I don't know if Ian hopped off or, or what, but I'm just going to close him out for now until I see him again. <laughs> I maybe went offline, but, but anyways, we, we I got would say three. this, Jason, though. I mean, I guess I'd look at the lawsuits that could come from it. Yeah. So all it takes is a few of these people to say, Hey, that wasn't me. I didn't do it. I, yeah. And I, I guess if you're using a reputable, um, you know, tested, uh, you know, notarized notary.camp, something like that, something that has been proven to work, then, then maybe yeah. that's okay. But if you're using some fly-by-night stuff that that maybe hasn't been proven, I mean, again, all it takes is some buyers to come out and say, hey, that wasn't me that did it. And you know the way it works. Everybody gets pulled into the lawsuit. So Yeah, yeah, um, but but a few but a few things happen. You have a reputable title company, you have a reputable notary throughout that title company. Like if we did one, right? If we did one, let's yeah. say I was the lender on the deal, you're and then you you sign you, you know, you you signed it straight up like all of a sudden it's kind of like, hey, we knew this sign. There's there's paper trails. And obviously there's gonna in the future when there's case search and someone tries to stand up for it and there's legal filings out there that they could use as uh, attorneys can use as hard evidence to show that it was fine, then it's good, right? You know, so, so they don't they don't have that, they don't have that yet. So I get it, you know, some of the smaller people will adapt, but in general, you know, real estate's old school and it needs to become new school and it's becoming new school. There's there's a new normal of how these transactions are going to be get done. Yeah. Um, you know, every, a lot of people are working remote and will continue to work remote. There's a lot of other deals. There's a lot of there's a lot of other ways to conduct business without your normal walk up to somebody, give them a close handshake and uh, move on. And unfortunately, sure. that's that's harder for some than others, obviously, you know, millennials and, and, you know, younger investors and realtors and stuff like that um, might have some of the newer aged habits than some of the older school ones. But in general, you know, we're kind of forced to go get pushed in that direction. Yeah, I think sometimes though, the tough part is that neither you nor the realtor has the ability to pick the title company. So if the buyer is going to pick some company that maybe isn't reputable, I mean, certainly you have the right to say no, but they get yeah. the title company. So um, that's that's kind of the the question mark is, you know, is the title company that the buyer chooses, are they prepared to do these? Have they tested the software for sure signings? Um, but, but, but also like, you know, not, not that where we're at couldn't get any worse, but like it got pretty bad to begin with. And because yeah. of that, uh, well, 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 welcome back Ian. Now you're in the, in the other seat, but that's okay. Um, but not that it, not that it could get any worse because obviously it could, but like we already, it got really bad and we're still, yeah. you know, you're still able to conduct settlements. So listen, when real estate really gets bad and a lot of people don't understand the supply chain of real estate in general, but when it really gets bad is if all of a sudden, you know, a title insurer backs out and they're not offering for one reason or the other title insurance on any properties, buyers or lenders, then yeah. you're screwed. <laughs> then you're screwed. They hold so yeah. much of the cards. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we're the get out of jail free card. 
Yeah, and so and so and Liberty. So you're owned by Chicago, right? Yeah, that's right. So I mean, that's a, that's yeah. I mean, that's a, is that is Chicago the largest? Yeah, largest title company. Yeah. And Chicago owns Fidelity. Fidelity right? is the company for Chicago. Yeah. Got it. So in general, for any of the anybody listening or or watching, however you're consuming this podcast. Um, you know, there's a big benefit to work directly with a title company that is, is owned by a title insurer. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot more flexibility they potentially have. So, you know, I feel like everybody doesn't realize the value of title companies and title insurers individually just because they just don't have the experience with it. And it's like, oh, I'll just go to any, I'll just go to any title company. And yes, relationships important. And I understand that. And you need to have somebody with a good relationship. But at the same time, you know, not all title companies are comfortable doing certain things. And, you know, on one side, you might have a title company that doesn't know what the hell they're doing. So they might have some flexibility for you. Um, you know, for a new a newer title company, might not know what to do, it might have flexibility, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's a good thing. You know, it might be a crap policy that's in place. On the other side, if you go to a newer title company that does, or a smaller title company that doesn't know what they're doing, you, they might also be strict because they're going to go ask their un, their insurer on every darn transaction if they can do this, if they can do this, can you do this? And that insurer, I promise you, is going to say no in every single one of them. Uh, <laughs> you know, mo most of the time. And on the other side, you have a huge title company, and on one side, they might not necessarily want to take the risks on stuff, but on the other side, they might want to take the risk because they know it's a small risk and it's something that they're willing to to live with. So, yeah. You know, and that, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, title insurance is like any insurance company. It's managing risk and what's your appetite for what you're going to say yes and no to. Um, how much are you willing to take on? I mean, at Liberty, we are a direct underwriter, so we get to make those decisions uh, in house. Um, yeah, so, you know, it gives us a lot more flexibility when deciding whether to say yes or no to, you know, certain title issues. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say most people don't realize it, but there's only but a few title insurance companies out there. Not to put your your competition out there, but there's not many many out there. I don't think people really realize the benefit because it's one of those insurances that you most likely are never going to use. But there are chances, you know, when it comes down to uh, mortgage releases in the past, or you know, uh, some other situations. You know, maybe Bill, you could give us a couple other reasons if somebody might need to employ title insurance that um would come up and the, the reason for having that protection in place sure i mean um uh, i always even equate it to uh homeowners insurance claims in the sense that they don't happen very often you're correct there but when they do they are awfully expensive to fix so um that's you know what i always tell people when you know explaining title insurance to them and leaving it up to them to decide whether they want it or not is you know, do, do you want to take the risk i mean you know how often do claims happen? Again, not frequently, but when they do, you're going to have to pay a bunch of lawyers to try to fix it for you. And that's going to far outweigh the cost of paying for title insurance, you know, which is a one-time payment. Uh, it's not yep. like your homeowners that you pay every year. You pay this once and you're done. Um, mm -hmm. So most of our um, title claims are, are over unreleased mortgages, things like that, that showed up against the seller that whether they were missed in the land records or missed in our title search, um, we made it all the way to the finish line and, and it wasn't cleaned up. And then let's say um, somebody gets a letter in the mail from a lawyer looking for money or, or you know, 
that person goes to sell down the road and this wasn't taken care of. It wasn't released in the land records. Um, you know, those are probably our most common claims. And then, um, you know, the divorce rate still hovers around 50%. And, um, you know, people come off title all the time. Uh, you know, it's on us to prove that that was done correctly uh, and make sure that it was. Interesting um, one. You know, did the spouse coming off title get the money that they were supposed to? Um, yeah, I never thought of that one as being a potential title insurance uh, issue. That's that's an interesting one there. So, yeah, I mean, again, it, you want to make sure and you can only do so much to protect against these things. I mean, um, I can't tell that a deed that was done eight years ago was actually signed by that person. But, um, you know, you, you want to be protected as much as you can. Yeah. And and. And, you know, a big benefit to having the right title company in general is picking up the phone and just asking them, like, but, you know, before you even get involved in a deal, because there's so many transactions that people are so emotionally attached to that they want to buy because they believe the numbers are so good. But then there's so many headaches on it. And I mean, we're at the point in our career because, you know, we've got 13 plus years in hard money lender plus, you know, a ton more, you know, before that, like, I don't want to deal with headaches and they're just not worth it. You know, it's just not the worth it, and people are dying to try to jump into a deal because they see the, the you know the the potential. But like, you know, it's just not worth it's just not worth it. No, I mean, I think this is probably the largest investment, meaning purchasing real estate that you're going to make, and you want to make sure you're insured properly uh, and through somebody that you know. If if a mistake does happen or a title claim does surface, you have the ability to pay it out uh, and do the right thing. Yeah, no, exactly. Cool, cool, cool. Um, any any last words, Bill? Uh, any advice? Uh, anything kind of like crazy out there that you're seeing? Uh, I don't know. Just throwing out. I'm, I'm trying to kill time before the two you turkeys start talking about eagles. Uh, <laughs> you know that's going to be my party. Uh, Fine. I, I, I was planning for that, so fair enough. I tell you, I, I see things turning around. I mean, I think we, I don't want to say we've bottomed out, you know, and, and we're now on the rebound, but um, we're certainly in the last couple of weeks getting a lot more purchase contracts coming over. And that's great to see because that's really what our bread and butter is. And the refis are great and, um, you know, money's money, but, you know, our investment's always in the purchase market because um, that's going to, you know, that's the, the business that keeps on coming. So, um We've seen a lot more contracts. I mean, you went through a period of time here where realtors were not eager to show houses because you don't, you know, does the person whose house you're showing, is somebody sick there? Is, you know, the person you're showing houses with, are they sick or infected? So, I mean, there was just a lot more risk and there still is. But, um, you know, being able to do things virtually or, or, you know, make sure that a house has been cleaned and sanitized before showing it. I mean, I think, somehow these, these things are coming back around again because we're seeing a lot more deals come over. I think for investor purchases, <clears throat> we didn't see a slowdown in that at all. And I think there, sure. people are buying houses because of the numbers. They don't need to see the house. You don't need to see the condition of it. You know where it is and um, the numbers speak for themselves. So, you, you know, they tend to be looking at it more from that investment standpoint with the numbers. So that, you know, that business has continued. But as far as first time home buyers and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's warming back up again. So that's good. good to see. 
Yeah. 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 Shaking. I mean, we can't complain. It's uh, everything. We didn't really see any change, you know, maybe a little bit slow down in service calls, but life's been status quo. I mean, you can't really complain. Yeah, I mean, we, we've been the same. I mean, as you probably know, a lot of the institutional backed hard money lenders paused or went out of business. So we got an influx of, of business through that. And again, you know, just because you get an influx of business doesn't necessarily mean it's closed business or good business. Um, you know, a lot of these investors were still looking for similar terms and similar uh, qualifications as they were getting from the institutional backed lenders. So, you know, it's it's all good. But I will tell you that in general, the deals that I think everybody are seeing out there are better. Um, oh, yeah. And they're not going to jump out at you, unfortunately. They never will. <laughs> you know, if, if you had a business model of, hey, the business is just going to come to me and jump on my lap. You know, I'm not saying that it's not good business, but it's never going to be the best of the best business. You got to be the one that's proactively out there hunting for it the best way. And again, that doesn't have to mean forever. You know, you do a lot of the heavy lifting and then eventually you get, you know, a few a few bushes blossom or a few trees um you know start growing and you have you know a lot of a lot of sources and you know unfortunately that takes time but i believe we're all in a really 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 good opportunity right now the ones that have experience and the ones that have resources and the ones that have liquidity obviously have a huge head start but the ones that haven't that don't is just as strong there's still a lot of very good opportunities right now to hop in if, if you haven't been investing in real estate or if you haven't been involved in real estate. Well, actually, let me ask you guys something because I had a client recently who reached out saying, is now a good time to list my house? And at first I thought, no, it's an absolute terrible time to list. <laughs> um, but, you know, why would you do that? People know you're desperate. If you're putting your house and listing it now, you know, they know that. And then I thought on the flip side, well, you know what? You, you may not be getting top dollar on your list now, but you're going to make up for it on the buy side. So it does kind of wash a little bit. But what do you uh, I, I, I think there's always a good time to buy and always a good time to sell in any market, Just, no matter what. If it's going up, if it's going down, it's going stable because it depends on the situation. It depends on the situation. Number one, there hasn't been an influx of listings right now. So if you inventory is not up by any means. So inventory is down, actually. Yeah. So. And I believe that we're going to get a little mini boom this summer as soon as, uh, you know, locally, they you know, things open up more, more than more than they have. So I think that'll happen. But I'm guessing there's not that many listings in your neighborhood, in any of our neighborhoods that just popped up or not an influx of them right now. So I think when those happen, there's going to be a lot of demand. People are going to be wanting to move, move again. The spring market's going to turn in, is going to be in the summer, going yeah. into early fall with, with school. So I think now is a now is a good time to do it. Um, and the good thing is, is like, like we, I mean, you saw, we sold that property yesterday that Liberty title Bill Daly was involved in. Thank you. Um, they did the close, they did the, the, the closing on it. And that went under contract a week, or, I'm sorry, that, that went on the market the week before coronavirus, the week after coronavirus was in full tilt. Uh, it went under contract for above market or ask, asking to above market with some subsidy. And we were surprised. I was like, interest rates are low. Uh, you know, it's the house that I want. It makes sense. And we did it. And, you know, we had to change, you know, we had to, we, the inspections were done, you know, without anybody, like one person went in and the next person come in. But again, like the transaction still got done. I think now is a great time if you're a buyer or a seller or a landlord or a tenant that 
or you know, uh, a resident that wants to move into a property. I, I believe there's always a good time. I mean, because the thing is this, even if the markets, let's say you're selling your primary residence to buy a new primary residence, and let's say you're, you're going down, right? Like everything's moving down. And I'm not stating that's happening now. I think that will in the future, but I don't think that's happening. I, I haven't seen that at least locally. Let's say today the house is worth a hundred grand. Um, and it's like, oh, it's worth 90 now. I need to sell immediately. I need to get out type of thing. Well, guess what? If you're buying a new house, you're selling this at 90. And let's say you buy an equivalent house. Well, then that one's at 90. So it's the same thing. It's not like all of a sudden you're going to be taking a complete loss. And then this on this side, is going to go completely up. And then you got to buy all the way up here. It's yeah. all equal. Yeah, It's all equal. So I think that's important to kind of look at. And we've talked about this on other shows, but in general, um, there's not a ton of pain in the market right now, meaning there's no just giveaways on houses. <laughs> so yeah. unfortunately investors aren't going to be able to just go and get an absolute, they're, I'm sure they're out there, but they're not a ton of them. You know, there's issues when, you know, there's foreclosure signs, you know, on two of every three houses in a neighborhood. A hundred percent. And I definitely think uh, there will be a time and a place, but you know, look, if you're, if you're in a position that you can sell, I think you can take advantage of some things right now. Um, if you have a way to bridge yourself to a possible dip in the market, you know, but again, you got to look at it for us as real estate investors. It's a little bit different that our personal house is not necessarily as much as a real, our biggest purchase uh, or real estate investment. So it's a little more, I, our answer is a little bit different than most homeowners. Sure. If you're a homeowner now might be a great time. You can get top dollar, but the adverse effect of that is, is there's not high inventory on the other side. Banks do have the positions to hold back and potentially can't, don't need to sell houses right now, even though they're in foreclosure or REO status. Um, so there could be an issue for you jumping into your next house that you could have issues in um, as a homeowner. So, uh, you know, you got to weigh out your options, do what's right for you, do what's right for your family. Um, I think someone always said it best, the the best day to, or the best day to list your house was yesterday. The next best day is today. So, you know, if you take that motto and you can apply it to yourself, then, you know, why not use it? You know, if it's right for you and you know where you want to go and you have a place to move on to, then by all means, go ahead and do it. Um, so I see uh, old Harry's over here giving me crap because I'm supposed to be in work. Uh, I told him I'd be in around 3.30. You know, what are we going to do? I'm running a little bit beyond. So I don't have to technically be in work till 5. So that's the good news. But, um, Bill, what's the best way to get a hold of you? And, uh, you know, if somebody wants to employ a Chicago title, or I'm not sorry, Liberty title, uh, yeah. what's the best way to get a hold of you guys? Yeah, sure. Um, so Liberty title, we have offices in Lutherville, Baltimore, um, Millersville, Eastern Shore, Edgewater, and Annapolis. So, you know, geographically, we're pretty spread out, and we do closings in, um, you know, all 50 states because of the Chicago ownership. Um, and then, you know, locally, my cell number is 410-868-6229. That's probably the best way to get me because I'm on the road a lot. Um, but, you know, just love helping people out, whether it's a transaction or just being able to share, you know, my knowledge with people about you know, real estate and, and certainly title questions. Uh, and we have a great team of people, a great team. Uh, so if it's not me, um, you know, one of our Liberty title members are happy to help Sweet. out. 
Appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah, before you hop off, comment uh, what the web, Liberty website and stuff in the comment section, and that'll get spread because most, a lot yeah. of viewers and listeners um, don't get to hop on here live, but they, mm -hmm. they watch it. They watch or listen after the fact. So throw that in there. Yeah. Cool, Bill. Well, we. The website is uh, www.libtitle.com. We spent a ton of money uh, rehabbing it and all that. So it really has everything you nice. need. Nice. I'll. I'll comment that real quick. There we go. Cool. Yeah. And Jay, real quick, thank you to you. Uh, uh, you guys have been great. Um, you're really the old, only hard money company that we've ever used and recommend. Um, so I appreciate all your help with that. Always great doing closings with you. And um, Ian, good catching up. And I look forward to socially distancing with you at the uh, Eagle Super Bowl. Fly, Eagles, fly. Let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready for another one. So, 100%. Gentlemen. Gentlemen, always great catching up with you. Happy to come back whenever you need me. Thanks, Bill. Boys, good talk. Yep. See ya. See ya. I think Jay's frozen. Jay, you for oh, oh, Jay? Oh, there you are. Uh, there we go. There you how'd go. You wait, wait, how did Bill get rid of himself? I don't know. You were like frozen. You were staring at us. Um no, that that's good. <laughs> I know. It's good to hear that, you know, title's still moving. They're still seeing deals come across the table. Like you said, I don't think people realize. As a real estate investor, how important it is that, um, you know, if a title company is not seeing transactions come through, you know, there's a potential that there's a bottleneck and, you know, you're buying a house on the front side and there's nowhere for it to go on the back side, whether it's a refinance or a homeowner sale or whatever you plan on doing with your real estate when you're done with it. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, title insurance is so important to get like, I mean, being involved in 3000 transactions, we've, you know, we've had to utilize owner's title insurance, lender's title insurance, property insurance. I mean, we just, you utilize it. It's just a numbers game. Like you're going to need to do it. And, you know, it's, you know, the good part is, is having those things in place. So, so it works. And, you know, you want to make sure you use one of the bigger title insurance companies like a Chicago is obviously a good example through Liberty title, because you want to make sure, you know, <laughs> you know, the paper's worth, uh, you know, what's written on it, obviously. Um, all right. You want to do PPP real quick? Um, I just you know what we talked about. Yep. I just pulled it up. Hop in on that. And then I'm going to jump in with something after you're done. <clears throat> yeah. So the PPP, there's been a lot of talk around it. Um, our banks, like I said, people's banks been very proactive with it. I've tried getting them on here. I respect Kent, um, <clears throat> Ken Ketterman. And his team, uh, he did ask around. I guess everybody's scared of the camera. Uh, but hey, Kent, I, res I do respect it and uh, uh, appreciate what you guys have done for us. So for it to be forgivable, as discussed, it needs to be at least 75% of your loan proceeds need to be used towards salary um, with it, for it to be forgivable. So that includes salary, wages, commissions, or tips capped at $100,000. Um and it includes several other uh, benefits that you might provide to your employee. Uh, what does it mean by covered lease obligation? You know, your offices is covered for that other 25%. Covered utility payments is another 25%. Um, the amount of forgiveness of a PPP loan depends on the borrower's payroll cost over an eight-week period. When does that eight-week uh, period begin? The eight-week period begins on the date the lender makes the first disbursement of the PPP loan to the borrower. So the day you get your phone from those eight weeks on, you're on the hook. That's that's your clock for running for payroll. 
Um, there's some more information about payroll costs, exclusions, covered mortgage obligations is similar, you know, again, where your office is located. Um, and uh, there was a few other things in here. I'd be happy to share this document. If anybody thinks it would be helpful, just shoot an email to me, ian at equitywarehouse.com, or maybe Jay, you can get it up on the Real Estate Reserve podcast uh, website as a downloadable document. I'm sure people would be happy to share this with everybody. Um, they've been doing huge things. Um, I know our title guy, uh, lawyer, they were able to get him approved overnight with a non-banking relationship. Uh, so, what did have you? I mean, the most important topic. Have you heard anything related to people that have the PPP? Have you heard anything more about if K ones can get some of that money? No, you know, if if you're paid out as a K as a K one, I heard that. I heard that in one distribution. Spot. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it from one person. Um, every documentation I've seen so far, I've not seen it mentioned. Um, and I wish I remembered. I, I could have sworn I seen it on the news one night when I was at work. Um, that would that was a discussion topic of discussion. I don't know if it was hypothetical or if it was real. If it is real, my God, that would help all of us, you know, because uh, last mm -hmm. year our payroll expense was a little bit bigger than it is this year. So it seems like a lot of it seems like a lot of people aren't going to be able to utilize this because you got because you got ten weeks worth of worth of funds, but you only can use it in eight weeks. Well, um, but that was the thing. It's supposed to be used over an eight-week period of time, and the other two weeks are being used as your operating expenses, essentially. Yeah, but that, that's assuming, you know, for high, companies that have higher operating expenses can utilize it. The ones that have low rent or low mortgage or low utilities or low whatever aren't going to be able to utilize it. And then it's got to be paid back. Or what's the interest rate on it to get paid back? 1% 1, 1 over 18 months. So, I mean, it's not... Yeah. Look, it's not the end of the world. I think most of us are in a position just to pay the money back and just be done with it. Um, you know, utilize what you can. And yeah, if your payment's small, why not? But in the grand scheme of things, you know, if you're left with a small amount, why, why carry that debt over your head? Just pay it off and keep it moving, you know? Um, so yeah, that's that's where that's at. You know, the PPP, it's been interesting. Again, it'd be uh, May 1st just passed. I know we haven't discussed that. Our rents were pretty much on time. Uh, we just took over a 76 unit apartment building. Everything seems to be status quo there. No one's really, um, you know, reaching out saying that there's some emergent need. Um, so again, I haven't really seen anybody affected uh, too negatively by it um, with the portfolio. Yeah we're running so i guess we're lucky in that sense yeah same, same with us same with us and who knows what direction that goes in you know you know one or two months is typically manageable multiple months maybe not but it doesn't seem like it is going to be multiple months after after this you know the big test is going to be what happens when the local economy opens up and people go back to work and if they're concerned about going places and what if their businesses are up and running and if their businesses are even going to stay in businesses, you know, I believe that in general, a lot of the small businesses that relied, you know, tried to rely on this paycheck protection program. And unfortunately, so many of them didn't get it because it was kind of a yeah. uh, funky situation. But in general, hoping that that would help weather the storm. And I'm hoping that everyone who has been unable to work when they can go back to, to work, it'll pick up where it's left off and time will tell. And I'm not sure how easy that is uh in general so i want to hop into something one other thing real quick um just because i got some really good feedback from it today it was an email well first off i haven't worn this hmb shirt 
and, on the show. And I wanted to share this one because this is my favorite one. I designed it myself. I'm the only one that likes it. I think RJ Breeden likes this one too, but not many people likes it. I, not many yeah. people liked it. And I forgot it was in my in my drawer, and I was like, I'm gonna wear this onto the show today. I believe the only thing you should have done different, maybe, is made the hard make this white. White, exactly. White. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I agree. So typically, what we did is we had out. You know, we have these full time outsourced designers that do a lot of stuff for us, and I usually do t shirt designs. You know, that's where the Maryland flag one came. I don't have any other ones in here. That's where all the t shirt designs come from. And usually, if you leave it up to me, I'm gonna say, oh, create. You know, like surfer skateboard alternative style ones you know years ago we had like these ones with like money coming from everywhere and it was chris was the only one that wore that one <laughs> it was it was it was nuts it was like this bling bling shirt i mean it wasn't bad but um okay so we sent out an email today if you're on our email list if you're not just go to hardmoneybankers.com and fill out a form you'll be on our email list but we talked about how to turn this lockdown into an opportunity and there was three things that we're doing internally that I'm happy to share. And hopefully you can utilize some of these things internally. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because, um, you know, our no reply email that I that I check because people like to respond to no reply emails. Um, and they can because I get them. Um, I had a lot of feedback on it and a lot of fault, uh, uh, good feedback from different people in different sides of the industry. So this is what it said. I'm just going to read it real quick. It's not that long. We've been thinking a lot over the last six to seven weeks uh, of this near lockdown of how this can turn uh, the whole situation into an opportunity to improve our personal business. It's been an interesting process. First, the immediate need we just the first the immediate need was just to adapt our entire team to functioning remotely, with only one person per day allowed to go into the office. Everyone else working remotely. Uh, next, we added some super relevant content marketing to put out to our real estate community to help everybody cope with the current situation. You know, things like we're doing now, blog posts, things like that, um, just to just to help other real estate investors and and real estate agents uh, inside the market. And I'd encourage you, if you're listening or watching, whatever your niche is inside real estate. Let's say you're an appraiser, put out content of you know how you can help your clients. Or if you're a real estate agent, put out content to help your clients. If you're a real estate investor or any any Buddy in the in the field, figure out way to to provide content. So that was our next thing, um, and then we took a hard look at our systems, processes, and underwriting to see what we can improve so that we could hopefully thrive during uncertain market conditions and changing landscape. This has been a very worthwhile project to us, and we've come up with better ways um, to accomplish all these things because of it. Um, you know, what are some ways that you've implemented improvements inside your business? So that was a question that we asked, and that's why I got a ton of feedback from so many from so many people. And I'll tell you firsthand that, you know, we've had a lot of stuff that we've had and had to deal with in the past that we have to deal with now, like communicating back office when someone can't just walk into your office and ask you a question or communicating. How do you communicate it? Does it make sense to call, text, chat, FaceTime, uh, something, something like that? Like what's the protocol to do that? So there's a lot of things inside people's businesses that not that they're bad things, you know, one of the things that we've realized is there was a lack of communication on parts of our process that we didn't realize there was a lack of communication. And until we realized that these questions were coming up regularly um, with oversight, we didn't realize it was an issue. Um, so I think there's a lot of benefits from where, where we're at. And obviously, I'm a very optimistic person to begin with. So I'm not just saying that, but like, I believe that there's benefits. There's benefits of, you know, one extreme to the next. How are we going to adapt? 
And I believe that most companies are probably in similar situations. You know, a lot of them are like, this sucks. This is a headache. I don't want to deal with this. And not that I disagree, but at the same time, it's, hey, well, guess what? First off, we have to deal with it, number one. And then number two, if we're going to deal with it, let's figure out and let's reset and figure out the best way to do it. So moving forward, it's going to be more seamless and more efficient. And to be quite honest, better. Yeah, no, it's a great, and it's a great, I think we've said it over and over and over again. It's almost like a stress test. And it's not so much that you have more work or you have less work. It's you're really stressing parts of your business that you couldn't do. And uh, you could never uh, run this scenario inside of your business and be like, where are my weak points? Like it happened and everybody's adapting on the fly. And, you know, you've said it several times, the stronger are going to survive and the weaker gone. And those in the middle, we don't know what's going to happen to. Um, but it's interesting to see. And it's not just small businesses that adapt to this. You know, a lot of the times it's the small businesses that you see navigating and, you know, they're like the jet skis and the big, you know, Coca-Colas of the world. They're, they're the Titanics. You're literally watching the Coca-Colas and whoever, you know, the large corporations of the world having to make these same adaptations that we do. And it's almost putting them back onto a level playing field with us <clears throat> as small time business, you know, as small business owners, comparatively speaking to what they do. Uh, I know you brought it up before. Gary Vaynerchuk told all the big corporation leaders, go out and learn Facebook ads, go out and learn Google ads. That's how you're going to monetize your business during this time. Um, you know, and those things, those are things that we both do every day. Um, you know, so it is nice to see, um, you know, being put back on a level playing field. And it is nice. It is fun to go out and work through problems. It was very easy for anybody right now to just say, you know what, screw it. I'm throwing my hands up. I'm done. Uh, but now you can actually sit back and say, let me fix this. Let me fix that. Let me fix this. And boom, on the other side of this, you'll be rocking and rolling before you even realize. Yeah, exactly. And there's going to be so many people that do throw their hands up. And then that leads to opportunities. Somebody else. I mean, I've been... And we talk and we try. I was going to say that that's a real interesting, you know, there are people that are going to throw their hands up. And I think as real estate investors, you know, well, some people don't consider us a business. Um, I do think there's going to be opportunity coming forward that people are going to be able to go out and buy businesses for pennies on the dollar. Uh, I think it's a skill. If you're a wholesaler, if you're a deal junkie, if you're in that type of business that you understand other businesses, I think there's a huge opportunity coming out on the other side of this, um, being able to value businesses and being able to go through that was that, that was a pandemic in itself of, uh, you know, businesses and not having a place to pass them on. And uh, it's that's going to be uh, something very fun to watch here in the new uh, in the very near future. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I've been listening to shout out to Jay Scott. I've been listening to his Bigger Pockets podcast a bunch recently. And, you know, most of them, you know, in, in general, I go back and forth with content that I, I consume and podcasts that I listen to and things like that. Just depends on what where I am inside our business and where I am, just what's going on with stuff. But a lot of them recently have uh, it's got my attention. So I've been so I've been and they're longer podcasts than I typically like to you know, to consume because they're 45 minutes to an hour. Um, similar to this show actually, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I've been, but I, it, I've been doing it. Um, 
And one of the things that one of the guests that he has was a guy related to like, this is the absolute best time. Why is my computer freezing up or something? Ah, it's killing me. Um, Jason's frozen. I'm here. I don't know if we can hear him, but uh, he did have Jay Scott did have somebody on uh, who discussed about buying businesses and how he's just interesting. There you go. You back. Hello. Dude, I don't know what's happening. Dude. I, I don't know why this software is working great and now all of a sudden I'm lagging. Sun's on Fortnite again. Could be. Could be. All yeah. right. Let's uh let's wrap it up anyway. I gotta get to work. Uh gotta go to the fire department tonight. Hopefully it's a nice quiet night. Uh, you do? I thought you're off I thought you're off for the whole month. No, off day works for the whole month. So I have to be in by five o'clock. Um, and the guy that I am relieving has been working for 34 hours straight. So I probably should get in there, um, and get him relieved. But with that being said, uh, what do we got lined up between now and Friday? Or are we just going Friday only? Maybe Friday, you know, D Dino got me hooked on this new app called house party, you know, comment below if you, uh, use house party, I have been using it. It's actually pretty cool. That was the only way you knew how to communicate with me. Cause I was like, yeah, well, I'll send you a link. Do you know, I know you're not on Facebook. He's like, Oh, do I need a Facebook account? I was like, no, I'll send you a link. You can hop on. We use a software called StreamYard. He's like, is it like house party? I was like, I don't know what house party is, Dino. And he's like, Oh, let me send you the link. So next thing you know, I'm freaking FaceTime and Dino walking around. So he, you know, he's mortgage guy, um, been around for a long time. He's going to contribute a lot. So I don't know if we're going to get him on Thursday, but we got Matt, that is name Matt Fullerton on third on Friday. Matt Fullerton Friday. We're going to do a big case study on uh, how they were able to scale and do a million dollars in wholesale, just shy of a million dollars in wholesale fees in one year um, and what their niche market is. He's also going to go through a case study of a hoarder house um, that they just recently did um, and how they were able to navigate that process and get that property sold for a nice profit uh for wholesale so that being said, let's uh you know keep it up rock and roll and maybe we'll jump on thursday between now and then if not we'll see you friday at 12 30 and uh we'll catch up with you then thanks for tuning in to the real estate reserve podcast do us a favor and like comment and share our broadcast it helps the algorithm and helps us spread the word too till next time thank you for tuning in